casual game with K and K. I am introducing our guest today because Kenny has a difficult time saying many people's last names. So today we had Crystal Nikowski with Roland Design Group. She's been on here before. Dolnikowski? Dolnikowski. Ooh! Whoa, look at you. You can copy what I said. Thank you, Machi. Thank Bravo. you. Bravo! Yes, yeah, so proud of you. Uh, but Chris has been on the show before. We actually did a webinar uh, on ADUs. If you don't know what that is, then you're sleeping under a rock somewhere in California. Or living in a state where you don't have there, there's no <laughs> yeah. So That uh, means you have a lot of land, and you're like, we could just keep building because we have land. But here in San Diego, we have four things. And Crystal, what are they? Go. Mexico, Camp Pendleton, the desert, the, no, the mountains, then the ocean. So we are uh, surrounded here. But honestly, all throughout California, building is not easy. So as a way to get more housing here, they have created ADUs, accessory dwelling units. Basically, if you live in another state and you don't know what that is, it's essentially like when someone builds a granny flat on their property, that's exactly what we're building. We're building a bunch of granny flats on our properties and it doesn't have to be your primary residence. It can be a one to four unit investment property. It can be a five plus unit apartment building. You can add more than one ADU. You have ADUs and junior ADUs and all kinds of other ADUs. You can add maybe four or five, six ADUs. So I have been That saying, is a lot of ADUs. It's a lot. And I've been saying for a while, I think that this is a, a, one of the bigger opportunities in real estate. Like we haven't seen the condo conversion market come back. We haven't seen other sure. things, but ADUs are in and we need housing and it's a big opportunity. Uh, so we talked with Chris about all the changes that are happening with that because it has been changing. And also since we had her on last year, like they're getting some ADUs done. They're very far down the road for the people who are kind of on the sidelines waiting to see what happens and they might do one. Um, she can kind of give you the rundown on her experience over this last year uh, since we had her on last. So yeah, she's actually helped uh, quite a few of our clients. Including and, us. Yeah, and continue to help probably more than I know. And then also um, like Crystal said is uh, you know, she's, I think she's done a hundred. She's probably gotten near that in the pipeline. Um, you know, the one thing I will say my takeaway from the interview with her is, is and wait one second, because a hundred doesn't sound like so many units, but ADUs are very new here. So that's the other thing is that they have quite a big pipeline considering the short runway that they've had. That, that's a lot. A hundred yeah. ADUs is a lot yeah. for her. I mean, she's not. She, she had a staff up, she had some serious growth she talked about. Mm -hmm. But my takeaway really from the interview is a couple things that we always have to keep in mind and remind ourselves is, you know, when you're a real estate investor or you have a home and look, we're in California and California is known for one thing, it's, you know, the gridlock state. So nothing is easy here, right? So it was just a reminder that if, whether, you know, you're adding a cinch on your house or you gotta go and get a permit or this or that, it's just you got to go through the po political bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, of the city. So we were talking about when you are doing ADUs, if you're in the middle one, you're thinking about one, great. But you got to be patient with it, right? Just because you hear somebody hit a timeline on something, it might not be that for you. And with COVID and things like that, I think things were grooving and moving a little faster. And obviously, they're in the, they backed up. So I think as we move and get out of this COVID kind of phase, things will get a little better, but one of the takeaways is, hey, let's be a little bit more patient with these because people's expectations, I think, are like, oh, I can get this done real fast, and it's not that simple. The other thing, too, 
as we're going through all the updates, but you know, one example is, you know, somebody had a, I might be wrong, example, 10 unit property and they have 10 garages. So they took the 10 garages and converted them into five units. Mm -hmm. So five if you're units, here in yeah. San Diego and let's say per unit, it costs you $100,000 from start to finish, right, to convert and you get a one bedroom, you might be like, well, that's a lot of money. Well, I can tell you right now, if those units are even in a national city, they're probably worth $200,000 a door. If you're in a North Park, it could be- Three or four. Yeah. If you're near the beach, it could be even higher. So not only are you getting, um, like Crystal said, this is some of the best opportunity. Not only are they waiving fees, not only are you getting that bump in equity, you're also getting an extra cash flow. You know, And Crystal does have lenders and things like that that are starting to look at this and count it as loans and stuff like that. So, that's one of the big updates was the multifamily investment that's really coming alive. But also we just kind of gave a refresher of what's going on, expectations. But that was really my takeaway. I was kind of like, wow, you know, we've been to properties that we used to manage. And I was like, these, honestly, these garages are such a waste. I remember used to going by some of them. I'm like, they're like empty. Like people don't even use them because it's too small for like a car and they don't put stuff in there because they think it's going to get stolen. Not to yeah. mention that people are already converting these things like without permits you may as well just take some revenue and allow them to be legal um and yes, make sure that. that they're safe you know the city has that ability to do um i wanted to say too it's not necessarily that the process is so hard it's just that if you think any sort of thing that you're going to deal with the city on like the building department on is going to be fast like those two words just don't go hand in hand um, so it's not going to be fast. Um, and I think a lot of us that are not like developers are used to doing things very quick. We can get our crew in there. We kind of have control of like how quickly we can get things done. This is just not the way it is. Like you're sort of like a pseudo like developer here when you're making 80, when you're, you're doing these ADUs. It's, you got to deal with the city. You got to deal with permits. They're going to be comments. They might Inspectors. come back with things that you don't love, but it, Overall, it's much easier than getting an actual extra unit approved because you don't have to deal with setbacks and FAR and parking and all the stuff that you have to deal with if you're getting like a, an actual unit approved or if you're doing any sort of new construction. So there are a lot of things that you're able to bypass um, with the ADUs to get them approved. And I will say uh, so far what we've been learning is certain areas are more friendly than others. But uh, in many, many places in San Diego County, um, it is fairly easy to get ADUs approved and they waive fees, so it's pretty affordable. And there's just all kinds of good reasons that I think every single property you own, you should be looking at to see if you can add an ADU. And every property that you're even considering buying, that you should be looking at that as well. Yeah, I think too, um, if you're an investor, you're looking to buy these ADUs, you should definitely listen to this podcast also, you should contact somebody like Chris and no problem, she'll take your call because she would tell you, hey, you wanna do this in Coronado? You might as well jump off the Coronado Bridge because it ain't gonna happen. You wanna do this in other places? It might not happen, so. It's a you, little dramatic. Sorry, I was just being exaggerated there. But you know, anyways, I think you should know like where you're going. The other thing is I am getting questions from clients and I wanted to bring this up. A lot of people are like, hey, I got this conversion. Why should, I mean, should I, should I really go get this thing approved? And I look, I tell people, I go, look, California right now is pushing really, really hard to get units, they need them. And so 
you're literally going, well, I'm not going to do this. I think what's going to happen is you're not looking in the future. This is the opportunity to get it now. They're like, we're waiving fees. We're trying to make it easy to get it done. What happens is you don't do this down the road. When they gave you the opportunity, they're going to come back and they're probably going to make some really harsh penalties when you're like, hey, we gave you five years to do this. You didn't do it. Like, we're just going to shut you down. So here's the alternative. If you don't do this and pay the money, but you're adding value to your property, all you're doing is it's one phone call away. The shitty's going to shut you down and you're going to end up without this unit. And also too, to get financing, whether it's, you know, two to four units or crystal, lenders don't like bootleg units and stuff. So take the opportunity, spend the money, get it done. It's worth it. The upside is 100% worth it if you can get it done. That's just my opinion. On our side with financing, it's not a big deal, but we can't count that income. So the good news is, is if you get it approved as a legal ADU, now you can count the income. It makes, um, for me, I think saleability is much easier because when we have these units where brokers are kind of definite, they're definitely giving value to bootlegs or unpermitted units, but then you're not getting that in loan dollars. So you're having to sell your property and find a buyer who has a significant down payment because you can't count some of the income on your property. That's for apartments. And then on the residential side, you're dealing with a lot of like kind of, you know, new newer buyers who are scared of unpermitted units. What happens if they buy it and then the city makes them convert it back? They have been advised by other people that they've been talking to absolutely don't buy properties with unpermitted units. That's risky. Don't do it. Maybe there are lenders telling them you can't get a loan if you have unpermitted units. So um, the other thing too is if you're if you're just an investor, like this is a smart investment to make. You're going to get more value. It's going to be easier for you to sell your property. Um, it's just honestly it's a all around investment. It's a very good return on investment. It's so worth it. Um, but like I said, we're doing it on our 30 unit building in um, National City. It's actually a 29 unit building, but somebody converted a long time ago. They converted the office space into a studio. So it's been rented for a very long time, but we're getting it approved as an ADU now. So that way we can count the income. We'll add at least a couple hundred thousand dollars in value to our building. We'll get a higher, we'll get more loan dollars when we go to refi. So it's more cash out for us to go reinvest somewhere else and buy more properties or whatever. Uh, so it just makes an, a lot of sense. And uh, Chris is just like a plethora of information on every, all things ADU. It's pretty much like their entire business. I think they, they definitely do other things, but they have a huge percentage of ADU business. Uh, a lot of which too, uh, we've, we've gotten a decent amount of clients over her way since our last webinar. Uh, we have people who are doing multiple ADUs with them. Uh, so anyways, uh, listen into this if you're looking for an, a, another opportunity in real estate and how you can grow your portfolio without buying more properties. Hey guys, also like, review, share our episodes. And subscribe. Thank you. And guess what? We're jumping into it with Chris. Welcome back to the Getting Cash Flow Game podcast with Kim K. Today we have somebody actually in the podcast room with us.
been working with you again because I'm, you know, so much information is out there, but like what is really going on and why some of the changes that are happening right now? Yes. Yeah, it'd be cool because uh, I think you're right. I think a lot of people, the problem is they hear this, they hear that, or they read this, and they assume like, oh, they need to use this. So can you go into like just the general what exactly is an ABU and like? It's funny. People out of state are like, what? What is that? Yeah, literally. There's a lot of people that still don't know even about ABUs, even at San Diego, and they'll be surprised by it. So, so you can kind of give the general Wait. term and knowledge about it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, it's driven by the state at the state level. So this goes applies to all of California. And uh, in accessory dwelling unit goes by a bunch of different names. The Granny Flat used to go by Companion Unit. The accessory dwelling unit. This is a legally rentable unit with a full kitchen. And it can be up to 1,200 square feet. It can be on a single-family home property, or it can be on a multi-family home property. And that's the big thing that I really want to talk about today on multi-family zones. And it can be detached. It can go above a garage. You can convert a garage. And uh, the biggest thing to know, though, is the each municipality throughout the state is treating the state law slightly differently. Hmm. But um, the helpfulness with the accessory dwelling unit from what used to happen in the back in the day was it can be legally rented with a full kitchen. The old guest quarters or old granny flats by the old name, you couldn't legally rent them and you couldn't have a kitchen. So now it's like it's okay to take those illegally converted units and get them permitted into legal units so you can get that rent and get that equity on the property. Why do you think they're uh, different in the different like cities and stuff like that? Is it just who's running it? A lot of it comes down to the state and municipalities finally recognizing we, A, have not enough housing, and B, not enough affordable housing. So finally, um, in 2017 was the first law that came out. In 2020, six new laws came out. Um, what's happening is each municipality is either, yay, I support this because my community has not enough housing, or B, you have the old-fashioned not-in-my-backyard. You know, we're like, oh, we like them, but not really here. I've heard Coronado's like that. Oh. <laughs> They're like their own state. They're not part of California. You know what? Love Coronado, but they they put a few extra hurdles in wow. place. They put a few extra hurdles, and it's that gray area of following the state law, quote-unquote, but at the same time, they make it a little bit more difficult. And, and that's where what we're seeing is really the biggest thing on the municipalities is what to watch out for. You know, City of San Diego, if you're looking at property, if you have property in proper City of San Diego, especially multifamily, you got a little gold mine. You know, let's talk more about them. I've got some examples that we can go over um, because they're being really flexible. Other places, not so flexible. And it really does come down to your municipality. Um, so if you're like, oh, I've got a property in the city and a, a property in La Mesa, they might be treated enough different that we need to make sure, you know, we, we go through all the hoops to get those permits. And when you talk multifamily, because people get confused, are you talking five plus units, two to four units? Two plus. It really comes down to, in general, um, two plus, or you can have a single family residence on a lot that is zoned multifamily, okay. and that's still considered multifamily where you can add a lot of additional units. Um, but the trick is there is each municipality is slightly different, you know, so that's why we need to, you know, kind of keep things a little bit general. 
but multifamily is at least two two plus. But in general, it seems like this is a pretty flexible rule where you can kind of like. I mean, I'm seeing people going like, okay, well, it only has to be 150 square feet too. We talked about the maximum of 1,200 square feet, but you can turn like a storage unit. And I wow. I just walked a property yesterday where they were talking about um, converting it to AB, a storage into ABU, and the ceiling is maybe. Um, 
coastal communities a little bit more challenging sometimes if you're a coastal overlay okay. job. It just takes a little longer. Um, but there's other municipalities like Chula Vista, for instance. And I hope none of your clients are from Chula Vista Building Department. Um, or maybe I hope they are because the well, quitting is notoriously difficult even outside of this. Yeah, so they're putting in some hurdles, especially on the multifamily that, you know, I'm like, Chula Vista, come on, help your community. So we're seeing the state laws evolve. And last year, six new state laws came out. And I was laughing to myself because as I read through them, I'm like, that was against Chula Vista, that was against Pasadena, that was against, you know, I looked at the changes and I knew exactly which municipalities. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 you can't kind of do that nimbyism and skirt the law. You know, so one of the things there is, is no owner occupancy. So now this really opens up the rental market, you know, especially for investors. Yeah. Tremendous there. Um, adding the two ADUs by having the ability on a single family to do that junior and an ADU. Tremendous to take my home. So here I am, I live in North Park, thank God I bought a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, knocking on wood, bought yeah. a long time ago. Um, I've got detached garage. Uh, and so I'm like, hmm. So here I am talking with everybody and they're like, you need an ADU, you need, you need to have, and I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm like, I need an ADU. Yeah. So I'm doing an ADU above my garage. I'm like, woohoo, North Park, I'm gonna like those rents. And uh, and then I'm I'm talking and I'm talking with you know my other principal and co-owner Audrey Ruling and we're like the garage was going to be my home office and I was liking that and then all of a sudden City of San Diego allows junior ADU to be in a detached detached structure so I'm like light bulb I'm putting an ADU above my garage I'm converting the garage into a junior ADU I'm going to have two rental properties on my SFR property in the middle of North Park my lots under four thousand square feet. And I'm, I'm going to be a very happy camper when $4,000 a month's worth of rent comes in. I know. That's going to more than cover your mortgage, I would imagine. Yeah, that's awesome. A couple of questions, um, I know, before we go on. So everybody always, and I think there's a lot of confusion around the fees. Yeah. So it's like people call me and I just, like, I don't really know. I always, like, call Chris. Like, <laughs> but I think people hear this. I hear this. I hear that. So I wanted to cover that. Like, let's just, if you can take, like, your property that's a, typical like somebody has a house they want to convert the garage what are you looking at as far as just general like fees um like if you're in north park for sure example? sure the fees i hear you a thousand percent um the fees and the fees change you know the building yeah. department they're they're a little fickle sometimes they're a little fickle sometimes and things are changing you know um at one point some of the fees are waived at other points it's like oh that grant's gone um, oh, okay. One of the things that the state did that really helped a lot was they said, of your permit fees, because that's actually a bucket of different fees, they said the development impact fee, which was one of the biggest, they're like, if you're under 750 square feet, entire state of California, that fee is going to be zero. Okay. Um, so that's a huge savings. Now, with the city of San Diego, again, this is why I call them my little golden mine of, of wonderfulness, they already waived that fee no matter how big you are. So that fee used to be about a ten to $15,000 fee. City of SD does that. Just city, city of okay. SD completely waived it. Now, there's other municipalities that completely waived it as well. But say, for instance, you want a bigger ADU. You know, again, over 750 square feet, you want something a little bit bigger, be a three-bedroom unit. City of Vista, for instance. The minute you go 750 square feet, you're going to add $14,000 on top of the rest of your permits just for that development impact. So uh, we're designing a lot of 749 square feet.
Well, because it starts to not to make sense, exactly. right? That's what people say. It's like, ugh, And yeah. then if you're going to add $14,000 on top of that, Chula Vista, again, we love Chula Vista. However, if we go above 750 square feet, that fee is proportional to your property, and it could be anywhere between twelve dollars to $16,000 on top of the rest of the permits. So to answer your question on fees, really depends on the municipality okay. um, and the size of your unit. Okay. Those are kind of the two big triggers that happen. Um, City of San Diego is an example. Converting your garage, the probably the A across the board, the cheapest, quickest, and easiest way to get a unit. Convert a garage. Um, your fees will be lower. If we're under 500 square feet, school fees are waived. If you are, you know, converting your garage, the water and sewer fee is waived. You know, so there's a bunch of fees that are waived. Um, but if you get bigger and bigger, or if you're adding on to your garage, things like that, your fees can go up. I would say, in general, your fees can be, the county has some of the lowest fees. It can be a few thousand dollars, or if you want a bigger unit in a municipality that charges you a development impact fee, you can be over twice. Okay. You know, so, so that's where it's like, you know, people say, how much is it going to cost for the, the permits? I'm like... You know, so it, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a general. It's and then obviously, they gotta hire somebody like you, and then on top of that, once they're done with that, then they got the contracts, all that. Yeah, I mean your rough, um, your rough breakout is kind of three buckets. Okay. You know, you you want to start with design. Yep. Because like, what is it? What do you want? Let's prepare the plans. Okay. You get the plans ready. You give it to the building department. We do all the negotiating with the building department. Okay. You know, if you ever been to the building department, I equate them in two ways: uh, total rice and peanut butter. Or yeah, put in perspective: total rice and peanut okay. butter or the DMV on a bad day. Yeah, that's kind of the building department. You know, so you do the permit processing; they they do their routine, and then you've got your construction. You work with your contractor. So you kind of got this design, the city doing the review, and then construction. Those are your kind of three big buckets. So let's just hypothetical, and like I said, we're just giving somebody a general number because we don't know. If somebody's got a 500 square foot garage in North Park, and they want to probably just turn into a rental, rental grade, and they want to go from start to finish construction, I mean, you've done a lot of these, what do you think somebody's probably going to spend, just like hypothetical? Yeah, if you're converting an existing garage that's in reasonable shape, um, even if it's a little older, you can probably... I would say, in general, knock on wood, yeah. because I can always see it. Don't hold us to this, yes. Yeah. Uh, you can probably get it done for under 100 k Okay. You know, probably 80 to 100 k Great. Um, you know, it's it, you've got an existing structure that's going to save you on construction cost. Um, lumber has tripled last year. You know, so <laughs> it is stupid crazy right now on construction materials. Um, so you've got an existing structure. The size of a garage under 500 square feet typically makes a lot of the fees go down. You still have to do all the plans. You know, the building department wants to see 30 pages worth of plans, roughly. You know, so you still have to go through all that paperwork, but probably under 100K. And then you've got a nice, you know, one-bedroom apartment that you can rent out, depending on your part of town, 1500 2000 bucks. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, from like an investor, okay, it's $100,000. If you're in North Park, it's a nice one bedroom, it's a nice house, you're probably getting at least what seventeen fifty, imagine. So do the yeah. return on investment. That's it's gonna pencil. Not to that's mention really your good. value because 
A, you're adding a unit, and every all that extra income that you get, you apply a cap rate to that. That's how we arrive at values. So For five you're months, like yeah. exponentially increasing the value of the property by adding that income and that unit. So it's different than like one four unit, for example, is not valued the same way. You're just for five, one but you're probably five plus units is completely different. But they'll probably you're still gonna win. I mean, the one you're talking about. Oh somebody, yeah, you'll still win. Somebody's converting five better. garages. Let's say it costs a hundred thousand each, and your building is in. I don't care. Pick North Park. I'm just picking a North Park. You could it could be worth three hundred a door. You could yeah. literally just double or triple right. your money like easily. Right. It's a no brainer. Even in a national city, yep. you would double your money. So, what do you think for like a new building? You're probably looking at fifty. You know, one fifty, two hundred thousand. Um, new building. Your biggest chunk of change is going to be construction. Okay. You know, your biggest chunk of change is there. Um, what we're seeing in the construction prices. Uh, again, Tracy. One of yeah, our, that's the problem. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. One of our contractors said his lumber guy wouldn't give him a bid for longer than ten days. It's prices are changing that quickly. Um, we're seeing kind of at the bare minimum for new construction on a flat lot, you know, the slab on grade type stuff, minimum of three hundred dollars a square foot. Woo! Um, and yeah. it's it, and it's probably that's probably the low end. Yeah. You know what what we're seeing yeah. here. Yeah. You I think I, that's I, all in cost. Um. That's all in for just construction. So you still have your permit. And that's like very general because it depends on your finishes, what neighborhood but you're in. That's because the nice cost has gone up for construction. Though. Really a lot. Yeah, because when we talked last time, it was, I think, I don't know what you said, but it was definitely. That's why from 200 to 250. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think people realize, like, like to build, I think the, I can't remember what builder said when they're building a home now, the cost of lumber used to be like 12000 One of the big builders, I think it's dollars $40,000. This is an article a month ago. Just a normal cookie cutter to track home, yeah. the cost went up double or triple to just build. So you can imagine just lumber that's one item, lumber. exactly. Yeah. And everything else has gone up, which is not as crazy, but it's still pretty significant money, yeah. But I still think you know, if you take the example you're talking about, like uh, you have a little um, one of the projects we're doing right now is a sixplex, a little sixplex building, um, middle the Talmadge area, so high rent area. Um, great to um, the freeways, everything else like that. It's one building, and it's got a row of four single-car garages in the back. So we're converting the garages into two mansions. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, okay, we're taking a six-plex, making it an eight-plex. We're using the existing structure because we could go above. We can go above, and then that way you you have both of that, the rental amenity of having your garage, which in some neighborhoods parking is, is huge, um, but the cost then you're building new. So we're taking that existing garage, adding two units, and boom, you're taking a six unit to an eight unit with not that much of an increase in, in cost to pull that off. Now, timing, I'm sure it's like so <laughs> variable. I remember we, I think we started our project pre COVID and we were, or like right before COVID hit, and we were moving like six to nine months. And I think we're going on a year, but we're getting really close. Um, stuck like what you said is it's a turtle stuck in and now you're like it's turtle stuck in like concrete that's drying rapidly and they're trying to get out because of COVID. I mean it's got to be even worse right? We have a couple things happening at the building department you know so again you kind of have those three buckets of the design the city doing their review and then the construction those timelines so if we think creating the design 
So how quickly do you make design decisions? It's yeah. like, oh, do I want, you know, I had one of our clients who really wanted a window above the stove. And I'm like, no, you cannot have a window above the stove. And it's like, well, no, I'm trying to convince them, like, no, that's a price That's kind of odd, too, actually. Well, yeah. But you, we can't above the sink. Exactly. Not, not the sink. Not the stove. <laughs> you know, so you have that timeline. And typically prepare the plans, get all the engineering and all the details that the city wants. Rule of thumb, about three months. Yes, it can be done faster. Absolutely. Yes, can it happen slower? Hell yeah. You know, one little thing about, like, you really need a survey because it's like, I have an easement in my backyard. Well, we can't build over the easement, so where exactly is it? Uh, little things like that can slow you down. Typically three months. Building department. So what do you got going on? They were overwhelmed. They were understaffed to begin with. COVID hit. They had to be like, oh, my God, what do we do? Um, they're, they're getting better now. You know, so they've got their routines on electronic submittals, doing their reviews. But um, Oceanside, for instance, literally just last week opened up their building department so you can physically go in. Wow. First time. First time in a year and a month or two. Um, so we're still seeing, though, the, the backlog that takes a while. We're seeing on average five to seven months to get your permits when you're getting the plans. Uh, can it happen faster? Sure. Can it happen slower? Yeah. Um, we were just talking with one of our projects, and it's like we, they gave us comments. We're like, great. We updated plans, gave it back to them. And we're like, huh, how come we're not hearing anything? How come we're not hearing anything? And we're like, there's nothing there. We're like, call them, call them, call them. Finally got a hold of them. Yep. Oh, sorry. I didn't see it. Five weeks went by, and this was the guy that just brought it in. Not even the one that's reviewing. Five weeks. He's like, oh, sorry. I didn't see it. So I'm like, oh, my God. I think they rush it for you, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and you talk to the one guy, and they're doing kind of like a work from home, work in the office, like with the, you know, every other day, he's like, oh, the plans are at home, so I can't review them right now and talk to you about it, you tell them the next day, it's like, oh, the plans are in the office, I'm like, oh my god, so five to seven months is what, what we're really seeing, so you got about, about eight months to be able to start swinging hammers, um, you know, and people are like, oh my god, how come it takes so long, you know, HGTV, has ruined everything for the design you know, community. Well, and if people have these unrealistic expectations of what they can get done, I mean, it's a show. There was probably a big break in between getting those permits yeah, or, and you know, filming the whole thing. Or I think, I don't know what the Or maybe they can expedite it. I think there's some specialty, there's some things that go to make it, you know, you know, we're filming in your great city, we need to rush on the permits, so yeah, or, okay. Yeah, yeah or, something. or something they're, you know, in the middle of Kansas or something, yeah, 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 building yeah. department's much more needed. Exactly, or whatever, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, but here in the building department, you know, even if you have, say a lot of our clients, um, they have units that, you know, someone already converted, you know, like say for instance, that leasing office or like a garage or, you know, that unit storage unit, they already have an unpermitted unit. You're like, I want to make this, I want to make this legal, you know, great. So if you think, what's the timeline with that? Because those unpermitted spaces, back in the day, you're like, run the other way. Yeah. Now, run to them because you really got some benefits. So the building department still thinks it's a garage. It still thinks it's a storage room. Uh, so they still want the full paperwork. So they want the full paperwork. Um, the review, you're still making a habitable home. You know, even though it might be small, might be 250 square feet or something, it's still going to be a home. So they do their review. But your savings is going to be on the construction. Yeah. Because you're like, already has a kitchen, already has a bathroom. We're good. It's your best case scenario. Change a few things. Change a couple little things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to make sure 
the building department really focuses on health and safety. You know, so for those unfamiliar spaces, do you have a working kitchen? Do you have a working bathroom? If it's got a bedroom, do you have a window big enough in case of a fire? Um, that's kind of their main focus. Could they make you change more? Building department can make you change anything. Have we seen it? Not really. You know, so those unpermitted spaces, go after them. You know, go after them. That's golden. You can get them permitted a little quicker-ish, you know, but you're going to save on the construction. Yeah, I've been telling people, um, they're like, you know, oh, I have this. I said, look, this is the time to do it. I would not be pushing this off. I said, look, there could be one day where they're just changing new walls or there's too many. And I said, this is the golden opportunity. And that some people are just sitting here like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm like, go get it done. Yeah, like, at some point there's going to be a lot of it. It's going to cost money. I'm like, yeah, but it's legal. But what's going to happen is when they find out that you have the opportunity now it's illegal, they might do some crazy crackdown thing too where you're like, nope, you have opportunity, get rid of it, you know? And so I tell people, you know, there's a thing called Google Earth. And so the city, <laughs> they know. The city did go around and um, that's how a lot of it, they wanted to start taxing people, but they started looking overhead and going, that's weird, because two years ago, there was no structure, and they did, they did this thing, so I said, you know, there's algorithm, there's software, so I tell people, they're not stupid, like, they can do things, so they, they're trying to, like, push you to do it, and I, I think people, some people aren't doing it, they're crazy not to take advantage of this opportunity. And I, a thousand percent agree with yeah. you, um, you know, there's a little bit of an amnesty program with the building department, because... What's going on from their side? They've got housing quota that they can't meet. Yep. So the building department wants you to permit those units because they're like, they need our help to conserve the property. You know, they need their help to add extra units. Because yeah. you can't, there's not enough space to just build all these new houses from scratch. So they've got the amnesty program going on. We know the law that came out in 2020 with no owner occupancy, that's up for review on 2025. Wow. We don't know what's going to happen. My crystal ball's a little dusty. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. So uh, I'm getting mine done before 2025, yeah. you know. And uh, it's really one of those things where it's like the building department knows. I mean, instead of running bills and walking down your alleyway and knocking on garage doors, it's easy to answer. Yeah. It's not a surprise. That's why they're like, just get them permitted, you know. And, and that's where it's like you're going to save on construction because it's already there. A couple minor tweaks, you know, again, health and safety. It's like if you got a unit upstairs – the stairs have to be the code. You know, Crystal, we ran into that challenge on one of our projects. Yep. It's like, are they going to make you change it? It's like, stairs are important. Y you know, so it's like certain things like that, health and safety are important, but otherwise, boom. It, it's like, take, you know, get those unpermitted spaces for sure. And a lot of people also with these unpermitted spaces, especially the garage conversions, they're like, what about parking? You know, and um, Parking City of San Diego Again, they are pushing against you like there's no tomorrow. Uh, zero parking requirements for ADUs. Zero. So you can convert that garage. You don't have to provide parking. You don't have to provide for the parking that was part of the garage. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity there if you're close to a bus stop. If you're close to a bus stop, you don't have to worry about parking. You know, because a lot of people are like, ah, you know, I don't have any room on my lot. It's a smaller lot. Like, where, where are we going to put parking? You, you know, in a lot of cases, you don't have to worry about a lot of the, I mean, I think, too, the thing for me for unpermitted units, um, I think a lot of, like, residential, like, two- to four-unit buyers get spooked by unpermitted units, and I think the lenders have kind of decided, you know, that they're pretty accepting of the unpermitted units, but for saleability, too, just having the, the ability 
huge. It just makes for a much cleaner deal for sale, um, which I think is going to, I mean, a lot of buyers leave the table, especially the, like some of the newer buyers. They don't want to deal with all these like potential issues, potentially the city coming back and making them, you know, converting it back to whatever it was and all that kind of stuff. So for saleability, I think too, I, I think overall it's like cheap and easy to get to meet you, even though you have to deal with the city and you still have to waste the time and there are some fees and costs involved, but then you have a legal unit and it's by far easier than trying to get it like an actual unit versus an AQ. Absolutely. And that's where I think if you play both sides of the coin, you know, if you're looking for a property, what to look for? Look for those unpermitted units. You know, know, look for those legal units. You're like, and then when you go to them, be like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with your legal unit. Give me, you know, give me consideration. Give me a discount, you know, because it's illegal. You know, I have to change it back to garage or whatever. You know, so you play that side of the coin. And if you're selling the property, then 1,000%, you have privilege. Because it's like... You're leaving money on the table, too. A lot of money on the table. You know, and that's where we've seen just tremendous value. And, you know, you bring up a good point, Crystal, of, you know, what to do if you're selling or what to do if you're buying. You know, so what to look for if you're looking to buy. Um, the city of San Diego. I, I gotta I gotta really say, multi-family city of San Diego um, is, is just fantastic right now, especially if you're interested in affordable housing. If you're interested in affordable housing, they are throwing open the door to build more units, like in a crazy way. So city of San Diego, those apartment complexes with um, attached garages, a row of garages, that's um, the goal, huh? That's the that's the goal. Is like get a get a building that has a bunch of units and a row of garages. And on that note, um, you find one city of San Diego with the garages. Is there? Let's say there's it's a yeah, ten unit has ten garages. Are there a max you can convert, or how does that work? With city of San Diego, and this is where it gets a little bit different. So again, I don't want to discount all the other municipalities because yeah. there's some great municipalities. Um, that are being helpful and a couple that are still a little bit not in my backyard. But um, with City of San Diego, you can convert non-habitable space into into multiple AQs. Um, they don't have that limit of that 25% of the number of units you have that other municipalities do. But you're gonna come up, you're gonna come up to eventually a limit of what the utilities can support, what the meters can support, what your floor area ratio can support. So eventually you're gonna cap up. Okay. You know, and if you actually read um, the city of San Diego details or ordinance, they're like unlimited ADUs. And I'm like, excuse me, unlimited ADUs? You know, so you're going to reach a cap. But city of San Diego allows you to go way above and beyond. Um, so that golden space is, is the apartment building with the garages, or if you've got a dirt, you know, lot in the back or like a grassy area. We're dealing with um, a 36-unit apartment building, city of San Diego. They've got cute little 300, 350 square foot laundry rooms. Got three buildings. We're going to convert those, and then later go back and you know address adding laundry, you know, to the to the um, lot. But that's where it's like existing building, existing structures, um, and then space to add some more. Okay. You know, so that's that's where your sweet spot really is. And coastal, it can be done. You're just going to throw some more money at it, and you're going to throw some more time at it. So don't be in a hurry if you're in coastal, and if you're in a hurry, then don't even bother. What um, are the, some of the other, um, outside the city of San Diego, what are some of the spots that you're, you're liking and working with and feeling like they're pretty flexible or easy to deal with? Any other 
about like National City or? Um, the city of San Diego, the county of San Diego. Okay. Um, they're a little bit limited, but still allow you, okay. you know, so you can convert your garages to some extent. You can add your two detached units. Um, so they're pretty good. Um, La Mesa is okay. They okay. put they put some more um, hoops in the way. They put some more hoops that you have to jump through. And um, Sugar Vista, they're requiring more money to throw at it. You can still do it, but they're requiring more money. Um, Vista, if you play their game and keep it under 750 square feet, they're good to work with. Okay. You know, so everybody has their kind of quirks. Everybody, every municipality has their quirks, and you know we've done over 100 ADUs. We've designed over 100 ADUs, so we know all the little gotchas, and we're starting to see now where where they're trying to get their money, where the municipalities are trying to like put a little bit more restrictions. They're in. trying to like appear to be compliant, but also like riding the edge as much as they can. Thousand so, yeah. percent, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. sweet spot really sounds like is if you've got a garage on a single family or detached, you've got a garage detached on multifamily, it can really be a big opportunity from like from speed and it's already built and kind of. Yeah. Like Do you have any on multifamily that are actually completed now, like from the time that they passed the law? I guess last year. Um, we've got, we've got at least 20 that we have in design. Um, the law just came into effect January of 2020, and then by the time people caught on and we started the process, oh, we're kind of, you know, and so now we're, we're starting, you know, to do the build. So they're not completed yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some of the examples, we've got that sixplex where we're adding two ADUs by converting the garage. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite projects is, um, it's got, uh, what is it, seven little cottages, okay. um, and it's on the property. No garages, no storage room, no laundry room, parking lot, you know, so no, just, and, but they've got these two little areas that had like a picnic table. And so we're working with the owner, and we're like, what about that little spot of grass that you just have some plants on, a little picnic table that not really a lot of people go out and hang out there, and another spot in the corner. So we're putting down two little, two little five hundred square foot. Yeah, I think they're six hundred square foot units. So we're taking a, you know, seven unit uh, plot of land, you know, with seven units, adding two more just from where the picnic table was. You know, so there's that, you know, what to look for. So it's like the garage is already built because we have a structure. Um, in terms of, you know, what we what we've worked with, those laundry rooms. The apartment buildings that have the leasing offices, those are great. I mean, it's most of the time someone's already converted them, you know, to bootleg units. Again, bootleg units, great. You just have to make sure they, you know, meet current code for health and safety. Um, but uh, I have to think, I don't think anyone's built and moved in yet because, again, the permitting is yeah, taking so down you're now. probably yeah. getting close. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, I know people are hearing this trend kind of, and I know people are probably doing this. They have a house, they have the yard, and they're like, hey, I'm just going to go buy some prefab house, get plan permits, and just kind of come in and, like, drop it. I don't know much about it, but I've heard a couple people talk about it. Do you know anybody doing that, or have you worked on any of those in, internally, like, in your company? Yeah, there's still a, a lot going on on the prefab units, the modular, you know, things like that. A lot of companies are like, oh, it's, it's quick, and it's going to be done over the weekend kind of thing. Um, almost. You know, you know it's like, you've got... Um, Again, the design, it's like, okay, you get to pick A, B, or C. So it's like, okay, if you don't want A, B, or C, 
you don't really get to modify them very much. Okay. You know, so it's like, okay, if you like A, B, or C, great. If you have a flat lot, great. If you have a hillside, not so much. Okay. Um, you know, and then it's like, cool. We still have to do, you know, all the utilities have to be connected. You have to be on the slab. The plants do have to go through permitting. You know, so you kind of have this savings basically by the design. If you like A, B, or C, your design's done. And then a lot of the construction. And the construction, yeah. you know, but again, it's not that much of a savings mm-hmm. where you're like, and this the same with the pre-approved plans, you know, because like, oh, the yeah. county and city of San Diego, we'll talk about that all the time. It's like, oh, pre-approved plans. Well, that's great for some people. And like I said, if you find over 180 views, guess how many are the pre-approved plans? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Because they probably look at it like, that doesn't make sense. Well, I remember uh, someone telling me, too, that some of those layouts are funky because they're really uh, old they're and just not functional. Yeah, they're interesting. So then you're stuck with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know we're, we're not on thinking if I'm doing air quotes, they're interesting. You know, we want to maximize the space. Yeah. And in a two-car garage, 400 square feet, we'll make that a one-bedroom. The county, one of the plans that the city will, will use is a 600-square-foot studio. Yeah, no, yeah. if you're in San Diego, you would make that a one bedroom. bedroom. For maybe maybe two. two. Yeah, you'd, yeah, probably, yeah. you'd probably yeah. push it to we'll two. We'll be creative with yeah. the two. Right. right. You know, and like one of the other plans is like, I think it's like 1,100 square feet, three bedroom, one bath. Do you know anybody that wants a three bedroom, one bath? No. no. For 12, that much? Yeah. That's, that's all. I mean, I know some people listen to that. It's crazy. I'm like, 1,200 square feet is a lot of room for like a three bedroom, two bath for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I, I know you're working like the multifamily with the garages. Um, typically, the garages that we've like managed or had or whatever, they're like a one-car garage. Mm-hmm. So are you combining two of those? Are you doing the one? Or are you combining two to make it one unit? Or how are you kind of mapping that out usually? Yeah. So with your with the garage conversions, especially on multifamilies, um, we kind of take a look at it. And and some of our clients, we we have the single-car garages, and they're like. Like you said to me earlier, minimum 150 square feet, but um, that's pretty damn small. In the middle of Manhattan, it's like huge. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of San Diego, it's like kind of small. Um, so, kind of what we're looking. 
is in general taking two single car garages and making it into a little one bedroom. Okay. Um, if otherwise, if you really want to maximize, it really helps if there's like some storage room. You know, a lot of them will have a row of garages and like the laundry room or the storage room. So you get a little extra space. Yep. And then we're making those studios. But one of the things we want to do there when we convert a row of garages into multiple units is we make the plumbing wall. You know, we line up all the plumbing, all okay. the bathrooms and kitchens together. So it makes for easy construction to lay out all the plumbing um, where it's like you've got it lined up. So we really want to maximize the use of the space while keeping the construction costs down. Okay. And so that's where it's like, if you want to go after the little studios, let's do that. And one of the things we're doing with one of our clients is furnish it. Because as you're furnishing a little studio like that, you can get the little love seat from Ikea. And you can get like the little, you know, kind of island to, to be multi-useful and, and multi-purpose. Versus someone coming in with a queen-size bed and their gigantic couch that they have. And it's like they can't envision their furniture in that little space but for someone where you know you scale the furniture to fit a studio it's like a micro unit basically it's a micro unit so you're saying is is like is it could be it'd be science but it's like the pull down bed or different Monkey things and bed. they can bring some other stuff and it's like yeah. that i mean I, I agree because i was like how does this work and when it, when you see this tiny house how does it work and they do it and you're like oh i see how it works a lot of yeah. people don't have the vision for like it. already having a um a bolt for the tv on okay. the wall you know, so you already oh, have that mouse. You know, it's little things like that where it can make a small space really livable. And then we, you know, we create a little outdoor patio, you know, so at least some place okay. where they can enter and like have, get their little barbecue out or, you know, put a little bistro table kind of thing and have a, you know, glass of wine or a cup of coffee in the morning or whatever. So creating that little kind of privacy is still important. And it goes a long way for the rental income. So it's not just about maximizing the structure it's about really maximizing the livability yeah that's cool no i mean that's what i was wondering what do you think to um somebody that's going to jump into this like i always think like i think a lot of people jump in they're like don't want to do it but what's kind of before you jump in like i know we went through a lot of stuff like the mindset you think about a lot of people are like it's kind of overwhelming they're like i've got the fees i gotta do this i gotta do that like where should somebody really start I always tell people here, call Chris and have a conversation. I say, look, she's not going to charge you for a conversation. Just have a conversation. Tell her about what you got and start there. And then when somebody does that, what's typically like the process for the first just to get started? If you can walk somebody through before the plans, like what do you probably need from them and, you know, vice versa? Yeah, so I think that's important because it is absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. It is absolutely overwhelming. I've gone down to the building department before the pandemic and I was like, oh, dear God. You know, this yeah. is just, it, it's a challenge, you know, yeah. even for someone that, like, that's what we do. Um, so definitely look at, you know, getting help from someone that is doing what you're doing. So if you want to, if you've got a multifamily property and you want to convert and add units, talk to someone who's working with multifamily properties who are converting units. Yeah. You know, be like, yeah, my draft person, that's my cousin's brother's nephew's sister's neighbor can do it. Absolutely, they might be able to, but are you really going to save money doing that? Yeah. You know, so you really want to go with someone that is doing and has done what you want to do. Um, so the way we work is, you know, like you said, we do a free conversation. You know, yeah. we do a free phone call. Um, I want to understand what the scope of the project is because then I'm going to raise red flags. I'm going to be like, hey, this is a challenge. 
or I'm going to look at it and be like, you know what, with the zoning, with the overlay, with what you've got, and, you know, looking through, you know, and I did due diligence, I'm going to be like, looks pretty good, you know, or I'm going to be like, hmm, we need to worry about this, you know, so I'll, I'll kind of focus of like, this is looking pretty good, or, you know, you need a couple things to worry about, here's how we can address that. Uh, we create a proposal on what's going to talk, you know, what's going to take to do the scope of work to everything from I want one to here's your permits. Okay. And that's what we do. That's all free of charge. I'll come out to the site. I'll look at your garages. I'll look at your storage room. I'll take some measurements. We'll sketch out some ideas and be like, okay, this looks possible. You know, this, this it makes sense. And then when we start, we always start the, the due diligence with, this, with the new building department. Because it's like, what are they going to allow? So we always okay. start the investigation there. We gather that information. We create the design, you know, with the with the owner. Like again, how best to lay it out to maximize the efficiency of the space and minimize construction costs. Keep that keep this low. We're not designing forever homes. We want to turn out nice, <laughs> yeah. you know, quick rental yeah. units. Yeah. Um, the plans go to the building department. We do all the negotiating. Yes, it takes forever. Yes, it takes a lot longer than you ever hoped for. And then you get the permits. And then, you know, we have some, you know, contractors we can absolutely recommend or, you know, talk to you and, and your team, you know, so then, then we bring that full package together so that we, in a couple more months, we get it moving right. I think the, the biggest thing that I learned, too, from talking to clients and um, friends and things that are kind of going through this or any sort of construction is just really exercising a lot of patience because... That's what I was saying, I, I, the mindset, you can't... People go in, like Chris said, they well, get so frustrated. It's like, and everybody blames the architect. Everybody <laughs> blames the architect. It's your fault. Why is this taking so fault. long? But it's not the guy in the city that's the and, jerk, right? And, it's like, yeah. you know, you catch him on a bad day, and then all of a sudden you're getting people jumping down your throat. I, it, for me, I'm kind of like, okay, well, you can give your best idea of what's going to work, but nobody can tell you what the city's going to do if they change their mind. If you got someone at the city on a bad day, if they just don't like your property, maybe your property had red flags and they're irritated and they just want to take it out on your property. I mean, there's just so many variables that go into it. I think overall, uh, I'm a, my mindset is generally pretty laid back and that there's always a solution, but some people are going to fly off the handle because the city comes back with this extra thing that they didn't anticipate that you would talk about. And for me, I say, like, this is an investment. I, I say this all, all the time to people who are like real estate investors or any type of investor. Every investment you're going to have is going to have risk. There's going to be risk involved. That's why you're making money, because you're taking risk to make money. So things are never going to go exactly the way that you want them to. But I, I just think, for me, that kind of mindset shift of somebody going, okay, I'm, a, uh, I'm an apartment investor. I'm now kind of like being like a pseudo little like developer doing my little ADUs over here. Now you need to put your like construction cap on and realize that, you know, you got to kind of like exercise some patience like keep time, understand when problems come back, how to maneuver those and make them, you know, minimize them and improve. So I think that was like the biggest takeaway that I see um, with you guys. Because even for us, when something goes wrong on a loan, it's our fault, right? It could have been the underwriter, it could have been the lender, but yep. you know, totally our fault. Totally all my fault. I should have known. Should have had a crystal ball. Should have seen it all. Same thing with your architect. Is like they can't. They're they're trying to foresee everything that they can, but they don't always foresee. I think you're dealing with a much more unstable person, which is the building department. So that's, I think that's the biggest thing. For and some people are trying see. to like, you know, I know you're trying to buy an investment, you're trying to add it, you want to flip it, you want to move fast, but 
that's been, and they're so stressed to get, hey, you gotta get on bargaining. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, that's why, you know, if we say, that's why I say, call Chris before you get in the project and say, I wanna buy this, I wanna do this. What is the timeline? Like she's saying, it's, and it might be it longer. Could, it could be, uh, she might go, you know what? By the time you do this, that, it's gonna be a year. Like, that's crazy. You're like, okay, well, maybe it's faster, but that, but that's the thing is, is that's what you're dealing with now. And then some people don't get it and they go crazy, you know, so. And you know what? It's yes and yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the challenges are there. Um, we've done so many that we've seen all these gotchas, yeah. but we haven't seen every gotcha yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was actually just talking with one of our clients yesterday, and they're like, well, how come it took so long to get the homes ready? I'm like, well, do you remember when, you know, we said that, you know, you told me after we did the design, it's like, I think there's an easement here. Um, and they, <laughs> it's like, but I think, I think there's an easement around in the back. And, and literally, we had to then change the design because there was an easement. And yeah. to do that survey took, took a long time, you know. So there's these little things that come up where it's like, do you remember when, you know, you were thinking about the design and you forgot like four weeks went by when you were thinking about it. So, you know, time time kind of makes you a little forgetful. And then it's like, do you remember when these hiccups happened? And, and I think it's a combination of things. Number one, the building department, this is new. ADUs are only three, four years old, yeah. barely. You know, so that's just like, this is new. This is not like a hundred years of code. Yeah. You know, and, and um, even that takes a long time. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and we're seeing the fees come down on permits. Which is great. But then we're seeing these other gotchas. We're yeah. seeing these other, like, well, yeah, you get, you're going to have less fees, but you must um, upgrade the water meter. And uh, of course, you know. But especially on the multifamilies, we're starting to see it's like you waive the development impact fee, but now you're coming back city of you know city building department and saying upgrade your water meter. Now there's ways we can kind of work within that, and we always want to minimize those. But again, that takes negotiating and time with the building department. You know, so that's where it's like, do we see it on every single project? No. Have you seen it on some? Yes. And so when I'm talking with someone, absolutely, we talk about what I see as the yellow flags, the red flags. I don't want to scare someone because yeah. it's like, well, you have an easement. It's like, I don't know. Well, can you build there? You, you know, and it's like, what about the water meter? It's like, well, how many, you know, water fixture units do you have on your property? It's yeah. like, I don't know. Well, let's figure it out. You know, so it's this, there are literally unknown unknowns. Yeah. Even after us doing 100, the building department is evolving. The laws are evolving. January, six new laws. City of San Diego, December released their interpretation, which I was surprised at how it went above and beyond. And it's changing again. You know, Chula Vista, single family home, you know, multifamily property, two single family homes, we're adding an ADU. They're like, you need to go through the $10,000 multifamily review committee. I'm like, the what? And, and planning already signed off saying it's gonna have your ADU. And then the next set of comments was like, you need this $10,000 multi-family review and I'm like I'm sorry excuse me knock off what hello I've got two single family dwellings and I'm adding an ADU on this multi-family property you're gonna say ten thousand dollars please and so I had no idea that is there I'm gonna call bullshit on them if I may say that on yeah. the air um but it's like I can't predict everything the building department's gonna come up with so it yeah. is absolutely frustrating I think they're trying to also adapt the process of getting actual 
to ADUs. And when you have actual units, you have to deal with all this stuff like parking ratios and FARs and all this kind of stuff. So then they're kind of saying like, okay, well, we're going to modify this process and do it for ADUs, but how much of this stuff do you pick off? And then you have like an hourly person or a salaried person sitting there trying to interpret the laws and telling you what needs to be done. And now you have to try and argue that, you know, you have to kind of negotiate that. Um, I was going to ask you because I know last time you're kind of like asked these final questions. I think a lot of people are, they have a structure, they have this and they're like, here's a determined, not necessarily call you. But I think actually last time I can't remember exactly the answer, but it was a good answer is if somebody has the shed, the garage, whatever they want to do, granny flat, whatever, is there something where you're like, can say there's no way in hell they're going to approve that? Or it's like, there's always almost a chance because like I think last time you said, unless the thing's falling down, like termite shoot through the whole thing, it's, and I don't know if you said something like not to misquote you, like you haven't really heard too many turn down unless it's like the structure is going to fall down if I touch it with my finger, but if you bought a type sub, but I think a lot of people want to know, you know, what is that? Is there, is there like a, hey, there's no way this is going to happen? Do you have something like, in the city of San Diego, would you just say? Yeah, I, I, I think what we're seeing, and, and this is across across the board, yeah. is the the push and encouragement to, to get these units permitted. Yeah. You know, so are, they, are there things that are red flags? Yes. You know, and I can look at a property to be like, wait a minute, you know, you got a red flag going on here, you're right next to Petrolodie Candy, and you want to put the AD way in the back. I'm like, that's a red flag, you know, okay. if you're right over the candy. There, there's some, like, red flags that I can pick up pretty quick. But I think, in general, if it's standing, it can probably be started in an AD and be permitted. Okay, you know? that's and what you kind of said. So it's it, not like, it's, and you're probably feeling a little bit more confident because they, like you said, is I keep telling people, they need housing. And that's where it's like they, they, they can limit you, you know, like my ADU is two and a half feet away from my property line. Um, I can't have windows on that side. Okay. And so they can't say, no, I can't have my ADU, but I argued, well, can I have a window? Can I have a window? I'll make it fire rated. They're like, no. It, you know, so they can limit you, um, but we've not really seen them do an absolute no. They can make you do water meter upgrades. They can make you do pay additional fee for this ADU. They can make you move it, you know, four feet away from the property line, you know, things like that. Um, but we've not seen them say absolutely no. But that's why I always start with, you know, let's have a free conversation. Just yeah. call and see yeah. what you can do. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're happy to talk with, you know, anyone and everyone about, like, what's possible. And then if it looks good, great. Let's go to that next step to really see what can be done and how to patch it. Right. And what's the best way to contact you? The easiest is uh, info at rulanddesigngroup.com. Okay. And then, um, you know, if, if you guys have questions, like I said, people email me and I just direct them to you. And I know you work with a lot of our clients and they're happy. Um, I know, look, I can speak for everybody. Nobody's happy how long it takes. Nobody, including, including us. But <laughs> that I would say if you're going to go through this, like Crystal said, is you got to get in the mindset is patience, patience, patience. You're not in control. You're not in control. Things can change. But I mean, I think it's the time is now if you have to and do it. Big opportunity. I would not be waiting because you just don't know. You know, you get a new regime in, things change, or it is evolving. Yeah, it is evolving. So, Absolutely. Crystal, any other? No, I think that's it.
pretty good. I mean, I think this is, you know, for me, I've been saying it since uh, last year when I came to the laws. It's like, I think this is the biggest opportunity in uh, multifamily in California, um, San Diego for a lot of our clients. So uh, I think this is the opportunity. Uh, we had condo conversions in the last cycle, and now we have ADUs. So I think this is, it's time for people to jump on the bandwagon. Um, I think there's definitely some hurdles and obstacles for people to get there, time, money, all that kind of fun stuff. But um, if you can manage to figure it out, you can build wealth. This is a great way to build wealth and cash flow. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, if you can go into the multifamily, convert, convert garages, whatever, it's $100,000, and you can go get, even if it's a one bedroom, I mean, here in San Diego, you're looking at at least like 1400 bucks or something. But like Crystal said, you apply a cap rate onto that, you probably double the money. So yeah. let's just say an even round number. Like yeah. a lot of deals are selling at like, you know, minimum 200 a door. So like you're adding like 200,000 a unit. I mean, that's just rough basic numbers and that's probably a very conservative number. So, I mean, even if you do have to add a water meter or whatever, these, some of these extra things, I, I still think in the end, you're definitely making a good return on your investment. Yeah, I think it's one of the best ways, I mean, it's one of the best ways they use right now to make a good return or enhance your property because. And you can help guide you through the process. Yeah. You know, cause it is complicated. It's not the smoothest thing in the world, but we can help guide you and, and get those extra units for cash flow. For yeah. me, this is like a level above uh, the rehab. So rehab is easier because it's easier for us to like renovate and you know new kitchens and finishes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't want to ever do new construction because I'm not a developer, but like this is kind of the next step up from renovation. It's not really totally construction. I mean, kind of, sort of is, but it's like a little baby step in that direction if that's what you can do. Otherwise, it's just easier to then ground up uh, construction as well in many ways. So I think it's a, it's a good step for people to take, and it's a fairly safe as far from a risk perspective, I would say. Um, so absolutely, it's, it's definitely a good opportunity. And, and we've been very happy with Roland. They've been working with us. They work with, with a lot of our clients. I met uh, Chris through a client that she was working with um, yeah. previously and helped her get her ADU finished as well. So we've had a lot of experience with, with working with you guys, and it's been great. And we're excited to work with you and your team and, and your clients as well. We helped a, a lot of your clients. and. And we've assigned over 100 of them, and so we've kind of figured out a little bit of the process, and uh, we want to share that with you and your team, and uh, you know, get you get those units out there, get them renting and cash flowing. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.